Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week I bring you two interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds, some of them parents, some of them not. This week on the Wonder Women series is Ellen of Crafts with Ellen. Um, I first learned about Ellen through Jesse of I Jessup. Uh, and that whole crew there, um, and also their little mini-series called Fool Fly, which if you haven't listened to the interview with Jesse, we also talk about Fool Fly on there as well. So check that out. But before we hop into the interview with Ellen, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thanks so much, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, uh, Christy Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy by Sim Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support, helping me to produce two episodes a week, every week. And with no further ado, here is Ellen of Crafts with Ellen. Well, uh, to get started, I always have my guests introduce themselves. So uh, I'll let you do that. Share what you what you feel like sharing about yourself. All right, sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ellen. Uh, my YouTube uh, is called Crafts with Ellen. So I make a lot of tutorial style videos in lots of different crafts. So I tried to pick a generic name so I could do <laughs> any sort of making uh, that I wanted. Um, I'm also on Instagram under the same name. Um, and I just really enjoy being part of the maker community. And I think a big part of that is, is learning from others, but also sharing what you know. So that's why I'm also on YouTube to, to sort of contribute to the big pool of, uh, of people sharing their work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, one of my other guests, um, they, they called it the YouTube revolution. And I kind of like, mm -hmm. I like how that is phrased. Um, so I know that you're in Germany. Yes. Uh, I would assume you grew up there, but uh, nope. no, <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> All it's, right, a so it's a fair assumption to make, but no, um, <laughs> I'm from the Netherlands, uh, okay. born and raised there, um, close to Germany, but, uh, but still, uh, and then I actually uh, moved to Denmark for four years, so I've lived there as well, and now since one year I'm living here in Germany. All right, what brought you to Germany? Laura Kampf. <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's really as simple as that because I was living in Denmark and like my life had changed a lot. I was sort of looking for what was next for me. Mm -hmm. um, and Laura and I were friends and we ran into each other at several events. And suddenly she just was like, I would really enjoy having someone work in the shop with me. Do you want to come to Germany and do that? So, So that's how I ended up in Germany. There you go. So, uh, I mean, is that, I mean, is that what you're doing full time now is working with her or? No, no, it's, it, I simply don't make enough money um, mm -hmm. with, with the YouTube and, and online stuff. Uh, I, I did that sort of full time for a while, but I was just um, living on my savings and sort of figuring out what I wanted to do. Uh, so now I have a part time job. Um, remotely working for my old boss in the Netherlands. 
Um, so I do that two days a week and then the rest of the week is uh, me time and I can work in the workshop, I can do projects or anything else. So that's actually quite a nice setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you do with your, what's your, your part-time gig? What kind of work do you do there? I do uh, what's called life cycle assessment. So it's environmental impact calculations. Um, so we're a consultancy and companies come to us saying we have a product and we would like to know its carbon footprint or its overall environmental impact. And then we, we calculate that. That sounds super intriguing. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Did you, is that what you went to school for? Not really, but sort of. Um, so I studied industrial design engineering um, and then quite quickly figured out that the world had enough coffee makers and we should start thinking about the environment. Um, so in my master's, I'm much more focused on sustainable design. And that's mm -hmm. sort of how I ended up in this world of life cycle assessment, um, which is what I started working in right out of university. Okay. Uh, yeah. How does that play in then to your making? I mean, in some ways, not at all. And in some ways, a lot. Um, it's definitely part of my motivation of not wanting to buy another mass produced thing mm -hmm. that there's a million of in the world and where nobody cares how long it lasts or how, how well it's made. Um, there's so many issues with, with employment in, in low labor or cheap labor countries and things like that, that I, I, there's definitely some factor there that I would like to make my own things and appreciate the quality and the time that goes into it. Like you never appreciate a t-shirt more after you've tried making one. <laughs> <laughs> then suddenly you walk into like a, this fast fashion store and you think like $4 for a t-shirt, like that's not possible. It, mm -hmm. It's simply not possible if you know how much work goes into making one yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so it also, you, you look at the world a bit, a bit differently if you've tried making something yourself and you realize that the, the things we pay for, for products are just completely not possible. And somewhere down the line, someone is paying the price for that. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I really enjoy making my own things. Um, ideally, I would make all my own clothes and all my own furniture and everything like that. But of course, <laughs> it's not always possible to, to reach that far, but it's definitely something I keep in mind and mm -hmm. like my apartment here now I, I don't think I have anything that's new besides like towels and stuff mm -hmm. like all my furniture I either made or I picked up by the side of the road or got in a secondhand store and fixed up so that is definitely something part of my life. Mm -hmm. How did you even get into crafting and making I mean were you interested in it as a child? Not really. <laughs> Not really. No, I read a lot of books as a child. Um, I mean, my mom was a bit creative and she always had like projects for us to work on on vacation and stuff, but it wasn't really something that interested me that much mm -hmm. um, for a long time. I mean, I liked being creative and, and going towards industrial design with my studies was definitely something like I want to be in something creative. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was there, but it never really found a place, um, until when I was living in Denmark, I had quite a serious like burnout, uh, situation where I couldn't do anything. Uh, I couldn't work. I couldn't watch TV. Like it was just too much for my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was home quite a long time where I couldn't do much. And that's sort of where I started really seriously making stuff. Mm -hmm. because it was something to do with my hands. I didn't really need to use my brain that much. I could just do something and feel productive. Because, you know, if, you, if you're at home for many months, then at some point you're just like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not producing anything. I'm not achieving anything. Um, so making things really then started to become the reason I got out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also when I discovered the YouTube community and and the Instagram community and just all these people making stuff was such um, yeah, an inspiration and just so interesting to me. Um, so quite quickly then I also as soon as I was able to um, physically and mentally, uh, I also started making my own videos just because I was so excited by 
all these amazing people just making all this cool stuff and, and sharing how to do it. Um, so quite early on, I then also started like I want to add my little drop of water to the to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> makers. Yeah. What were some of the first things that you made during that period of, you know, just trying to keep your hands busy? Um, I knit a hat. Um, actually, knitting is something that I taught myself another time when I was sick for not that long, but a few weeks. And I, I got a book from the library and some wool and some knitting needles, and I taught myself how to knit. Um, so that was sort of one of the first things I grabbed back to. I was like, okay, let's see if I still know how to knit. Um, so I did that. I made some like cushion covers and, and basic things like that. Um, and then in that same vein, the first video I made for YouTube was uh, a simple shopping bag, like a rectangular fabric mm -hmm. and a handle. <laughs> it's like <Yeah. laughs> very straightforward. Um, and so, yeah, it was really those simple things that I started with. Um, also, I didn't know what I was doing. So like, <laughs> those were the first cushion covers that I made. Mm -hmm. So it was also, it was about the challenge of like, okay, I, I guess I have a sewing machine. I kind of know how to do this, but not really. So it was the right amount of challenge to, mm -hmm. to, to keep me occupied without being super complicated. So, yeah, I was just going to ask that, like, did you have any experience with sewing previously? A little bit, but mostly just like repairs. Mm -hmm. um, my mom used to sew our clothes when I was a kid, which I thought was fantastic because you got to pick your own fabric and everything <laughs> like that. Um, and as a graduation gift for me and my sister, when each of us graduated, she gave us a sewing machine. Um, so that's the machine I still have and still use. Mm -hmm. So I had it um, and I knew of the concept of like, oh, my, my shirt ripped on the side, I'll fix it. Um, things like that. So I had sewn things before and made small projects, um, but it was really quite new still to me. Okay. So I have to ask, because I am going to fully admit that absolutely nothing about sewing intrigues me. <laughs> I have no desire to learn how to sew. So I have to ask, <laughs> I have to ask what, um, what draws you to you know, and I, and I know you do other making as well, but like what draws you to, to sewing and creating yeah. in that uh, fashion? Yeah. So sewing is definitely like my, my base craft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's the thing that I've gotten most experienced in and I still do quite a lot uh, and it's never going to go away. Um, I think what draws me to is, is that Clothing is one of those things you never really think about as some, something that is made by someone. It is just sort of there, you go shopping, you pick a style, you think about how you want to look. But it's one of those things that hardly anyone ever thinks about making themselves. It's just sort of assumed to exist. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of products can be mass produced, but clothing isn't one of them. Like every single piece of clothing has passed through someone's hands through a sewing machine. There are no machines that, that sew shirts mm -hmm. <laughs> or pants, it's all people. Um, so it's this side of the world that is very much assumed to just be there while it is very much a craft and a skill that can get very complicated very quickly. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot to learn in it. It never ends in terms of challenges. Like the, just like in woodworking, like you have the simple joinery, you can go all the way to dovetails and fancy mm -hmm. things. It's the same in sewing, like you can just stitch a simple pocket or you can do all sorts of crazy things that are like little puzzles or origami, like things turn mm -hmm. inside out and suddenly <laughs> it's this beautiful pocket. So there's, there's endless challenges in it. And it's, it's very satisfying to wear something so it's so personal. Like if mm -hmm. you wear a shirt you made yourself, it's just very, very satisfying. Mm -hmm. Hi, makers. Today's episode is brought to you by toolmomstore.com. Toolmom and company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. 
the products are fun, fashionable, one of a kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, one has a circular saw with flames coming off of it. It says, go girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. I could definitely see that um, aspect of it. The, the closest I come is I've done <clears throat> a little bit of leather, uh, leather work and created mm -hmm. like a leather messenger bag all hand stitched for myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it was supposed to be a Christmas present, but I'm still in the process of working on one for my wife. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> And I get that level of satisfaction, like just like, yeah. you know, the one that I made for myself, that's the bag I carry every day. And um, if somebody like compliments it or, you know, is like, oh, where'd you get that? Just that mm -hmm. pride of being able to be like, <laughs> I made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And another aspect of it that just jumped into my mind is sizing. Mm -hmm. Like that is such a big issue where, especially for women, but it's also an issue for men where you just think if the clothes don't fit you, it must be your body that's wrong because of all the standardized sizing out right. there. And there are so many shops where I can't buy anything. Like I can just pass by certain big stores because I know it's not going to fit me because I have hips. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So things like that, where it's, it's not, you that's wrong it's the sizing that's not inclusive enough and there's not enough variation they assume everyone is a stick figure mm -hmm. um, so being able to size things to and fit them the way you like it like hardly any item of clothing that i buy now does not get a pass through the sewing machine because i take in the sides or i take in the back of the pants or mm -hmm. do something like that so that's also this customization of it is also quite nice so yeah i was gonna so when you're if you're making things from scratch for yourself, like, are you working from patterns? Or are you creating your own patterns? Um. I I'm, I'm want to get better in working from patterns, but just because you have such a good starting point. Um, for now, I've mostly been copying items of clothing I already mm. have. So I'm making patterns based on a shirt I have that I like the fit of or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I also wanted to ask like sourcing of your material. Mm -hmm. um, are you, <clears throat> cause I mean, every part of the, every part of a garment industry passes through somebody's hands, like you said. So mm -hmm. even like the creation of the textiles themselves, right there, um, there is a lot of automation in it, but it's still like a lot of hands-on work so mm -hmm. are you buying like new off the shelf or are you trying to repurpose like you know secondhand finds type thing mm -hmm. yeah good question it's definitely like sort of the next issue on the list and like we're taking away the, the sweatshops but then what about the fabric um so i do like buying secondhand clothing and making it fit me mm -hmm. um that's always fun to do um, sometimes it can be just as much work as making something from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't take away the interest of it because it's mm -hmm. also a learning process. Like you get to see how it was made. Uh, mm -hmm. And I always learn something about how they approached it by tailoring it. Um, fabric, good fabric is hard to find used or like leftovers. Mm -hmm. uh, I've used quite a lot of bed sheets from secondhand stores. Mm. <laughs> Um, they're great for pillow covers or curtains or things like that. Um, but as soon as you get to clothing, you need some specific fabrics, like you need knit uh, knit fabrics for tops and things like that, just to make it fit and, and look nice. Mm -hmm. um, so most of it does come from the roll at the fabric store. Um, and there, there's very little information about where it comes from or how it's made. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not really something that you can find much about. Um, you can find organic 
cotton. Um, and that's about it. Um, but really, like fabric that is well ethically made is very hard to find because there's hardly any fabric mills left in, in Western Europe and the US and things like that. It's really all been moved um, yeah, to the, to the east. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's a tricky thing, yeah. When you're doing things like any upholstery projects, um, like the, it was it is it like technically a stool, the one that you? I think so. I'm calling it a sewing stool, but I'm not really sure if that's the correct term. <laughs> you can sit on it, but <laughs> it's not a chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, the one with all the like the compartments on the inside mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. When you're like, uh, refurbishing or refinishing stuff like that. Um, are you able to like source any of that type of material in another way? I like, I know some people have like who make le like leather bags and stuff like that. They'll talk about like, you know, somebody's throwing out like an old leather couch or something and they'll like yeah. repurpose the leather uh, mm -hmm. for their project um, instead of purchasing new. Do, is there any opportunities like that when it comes to upholstery? It, it's much harder with fabric because leather <laughs> ages much better. Mm -hmm. Fabric just soaks up all the dirt and, and moisture and everything it can find. Yeah. So like the, the fabric I took off of that stool was just <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Like I, I don't want this near my face. <laughs> So anything used comes with that um, yeah. risk, let's say, um, attached. The, the tricky thing also is, is like with leather, you can do a lot with offcuts. If you're making wallets or mm -hmm. things like that, you need little pieces. For clothing, you pretty much always need a proper length to be able to cut out an entire yeah. piece out of it. So even just a simple shirt, you would need at least a meter of running length of fabric. Mm -hmm. So scraps don't really get you very far in that sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. With, um, <clears throat> I want to segue a little bit into other forms of making. So you started with knitting, sewing. Uh, what was the graduation into other forms of making? Yeah, so I always wanted to try all the things, um, but I always lived in small apartments. Um, so that was one of the main factors of like a sewing machine you can put on your kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Knitting you can do in your chair, crochet, cross stitch, all those things. It's it's small. You don't need a lot yeah. of supplies. You can have it on your lap or on a small table. Um, so that was definitely a factor in in the types of of crafts I started with. Um, really, the main sort of explosion to all the things was when I moved here to Germany and had access to Lara's workshop. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we all know tools are expensive. Um, <laughs> We yes. all want to try everything, but you can't buy everything. Um, right. So that's really been been such a fun fun place to be in. Whereas like she has everything, mm -hmm. um, and she's willing to also show me the ropes a little bit and show me how to use a table saw and things like that. Um, so that's really been a playground of like, ooh, a welder. Let's make <laughs> a welding project. <laughs> yeah. And still, like, there's so many things I still want to try. I, I would love to get a loom one day like a big proper mm -hmm. standing loom, uh, things like that. Um, I got my mom's um, spinning wheel, oh. which I want to try to spin my own yarn uh, mm -hmm. on that. So I want to try all the things. It's more a matter of, of space and money, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I see, I, I, I believe I saw, did you participate in one of the like maker camps? Um, I was on I... Spring Make 2019. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that where you got to meet all of these other cool makers for the first time? Uh, a few I met there for the first time, but most of them I met at Maker Central in the UK. Okay. Yeah, so that was first time was 2018. I went back in 2019. So that's where I met Laura and uh, Jess and Brett and Al and, and all the people <laughs> all at Maker Central. Mm -hmm. uh, and a few more of the US based makers that didn't come over there I met at Spring Make. Yeah. What has that been 
like, I mean, you know, you mentioned your excitement about kind of discovering the maker community on YouTube <laughs> and Instagram. So what, um, what has your experience just been like finding the community and getting to interact in person as well? Yeah. I mean, the first Maker Central, I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us can relate. Like, I'm definitely an introvert. I'm not that good with people. Um, but I had gotten the sense online that these are my people. I had found that connection of like, these are just the same type of crazy that I am. Um, <laughs> and I was actually still partly recovering from my burnout at that point. But I was like, mm -hmm. I dragged my ass down there because like, this is something that's going to be so amazing. Um, so I was, I was terrified the whole weekend through, but I had such a blast and everyone is so nice and so friendly. And I mean, I literally cried when I had to get back home because I, it's like, this is my family. Mm -hmm. this, this feels right this is where I belong and that was just such an amazing feeling and that's only gotten bigger and better with with following events where there's the same people that you now know and are close friends with but also new people that just fit the same picture that are just friendly and open and excited and, and creative and yeah 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 I, I think all of us in the maker community will relate to that uh, very much. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's just something about being able to like hop into a conversation with somebody and feel that instant like they get you. You don't yeah. have to explain anything. <laughs> you don't have to like. Honestly, I have never felt that before. Like never. Mm -hmm. um, so that was such an eye opening experience for me. <laughs> I, you know, um, I would say probably the same, you know, mm -hmm. for, for me personally, of not ever feeling that like instant being able to talk a certain language. I mean, I, I guess like, I think it's probably pretty similar for people who, uh, like do things like Comic-Con or stuff like that. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you just these are your people they get everything that you're into and interested in yeah. uh, no translation needed um type thing mm -hmm. so now you have access to a workshop mm -hmm. and all of these tools <laughs> so all those things you mentioned you want to like try out like what's at the top of your list of things you want like you're just like this is my next kind of challenge i want to take on Hmm. I mean, obviously the list of projects on my mind is quite long. Um, I have a hard time saying like, what's next? I've, I've been using this part of the year, like a new year to sort of reflect on where am I going? Um, which is sort of an ongoing theme for the last few years. Like my life has changed a lot and I'm not entirely sure what the new end goal is because everything mm -hmm. that I've used to think I wanted is sort of like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much a figuring out process so the last few weeks I've again been sort of in that reflective mode um, and not thinking ahead that much I do have a very very nice um, old chair that I picked up on the side of the road um, that I want to reupholster and, and just completely uh, refurbish um, and I would love to make uh, a sleigh Mm. like an old-fashioned with the wood with the steam bending yep, yep. Uh, i've never tried steam bending um so that would be quite fun as well to see if i can uh, can make that work uh, and that would involve quite a bit of like planing and cutting and things like that as well mm -hmm. um a bit more joinery in woodworking is also something on my list like i'm i'm, I'm good with the glue and screw and i've had a good play with laura's domino which is <laughs> Very nice, <laughs> um, but something more uh, a step up from that, so to say, in terms of techniques would also be uh, quite good. Mm -hmm. Hey, makers, I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode's sponsor, Athena Outfitters. So when I'm in the market for a new pair of work boots, I do a ton of research 
make sure I'm getting something that's going to fit right and going to last. Well, Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that has a tons of experience with footwear. They've taken the time to select the very best shoes and boots made by each of the most reliable footwear brands. And when I shop at Athena Outfitters site, it saves me time and energy because I trust that they found the best shoes for every job and activity. Plus bonus, you can shop online. So next time you need new work boots or some other type of high performance shoe, check out AthenaOutfitters.com, uh, Gear with Grit, and Athena is A-T-H-E-N-A, -E and then Outfitters.com. You can also get a special discount at checkout by using the coupon code MM, that's capital M, capital M15 for 15% off any purchase just because you're a listener of the podcast. All right, let's hop back into the episode. What, what has, if any, I mean, as you're getting into this space of woodworking and growing your skill set, I guess, like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> is the desire to get to be able to just make for, I mean, is that the desire to, to be the YouTube channel, to be the... <laughs> If you asked me a few months ago, I would have said yes. Um, right now, the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. <laughs> um, it's a tricky thing because like, part of my reflection in the past few weeks has also been that um, I've been trying that and to grow my channel and to sort mm -hmm. of have that focus. And it's like, yeah, I have the part-time job, but my goal is to grow, grow, grow the channel and to make um, more of my income from there. Mm -hmm. but it does take some of the fun out of it mm. and it, it puts the pressure on it it makes it makes me doubt myself like am I doing enough am I working hard enough on it um, should mm -hmm. I be doing more um, what are other people doing that works and should I be doing the same things um, and I don't necessarily like those things mm -hmm. um, so I, I've been getting into a bit more of that mindset of, of like turning it into a job and I'm not sure that I'm enjoying that <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so right now that that's sort of part of my reflection of like it, I'm sort of stepping back and trying to let it just be fun and a hobby again and to see how that changes things and and I think it is making me enjoy it more again Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's possible that if you ask me six months from now, because <laughs> um, I'm still now figuring it out, but it's very possible that my answer will be like, no, it's just, I do it for fun. I have mm -hmm. my part-time job that pays the bills and everything else is just fun and I want to do it and no pressure. Um, it might end up in, in that direction. So, yeah, can we, I guess, dive into that a little bit more? Like what aspect about when you say turning it into a job like mm -hmm. what does that I guess mean to you in the sense turning your channel like what does that look like so for me it makes me see it as I have to achieve something and I have to get results that make it worth the time I put into it um, and then it's no longer enough to make a fun project Right, it suddenly becomes much more about um, making enough videos, um, finding sponsors to work on them with you. Um, that comes with the pressure of, well, they have to like what I'm making. Um, should I adjust what I make to fit a sponsor? What if I don't really want to make that thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> certain types of craft of like, well, it's hard to find sponsors if you're doing 12 different crafts. It's much easier if you just do sewing or you just do woodworking. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so then that becomes a question like, is that something I want to do? Not really. Mm -hmm. So it, it just, it puts a lot of pressure on things of like having to achieve something because it's your, your goal to make money with it and to make your income with it. Um, so it's, it's more internal pressure that I then start putting on myself. Like it's not good enough. You have to do more. You have to work, work, work. <laughs> 
-hmm. um, which is sort of the opposite reason I started crafting in the first place. It was for relaxation and for giving my mind the space to just be in the moment. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, especially in the beginning, making was definitely my therapy. It was mm -hmm. something that allowed me to sit in the moment and just be happy with what I achieve and, and not have any pressure on it. Do you feel like you cannot be successful, a successful channel just by approaching it, just like you said, of being in the moment and making? Do you think that hinders the channel? Hinders your success, I should say? I think it's possible to do it that way. I'm not sure I can do it that way. Mm because of my internal monologue mm -hmm. and the way I, I've been doing a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out who I am. And I have so many like, automatisms and patterns in myself that make that very difficult mm -hmm. um, in terms of, I will put the pressure on it and I will get upset with myself and I will feel like a failure. And I will compare to others and say like, you should be doing more, all of them are succeeding. Why aren't you? Like, I think it's possible for people to have that relaxed sort of approach and have a successful channel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'm there yet. I would need to do some more work on myself before mm -hmm. I can actually be in that mindset about it. Yeah, I like all of that <laughs> resonates with me, like all of that. Um, and I would say like just now, like just now towards the end of this, you know, end of the crazy year of 2020 mm -hmm. and into 2021 with all of that craziness, I think honestly, it's helped me get to a point of just like, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. <laughs> There's either going to be people that enjoy that or not. And mm -hmm. You know, I hope it's successful. Yes, very much. Obviously, you know, that yeah. is the goal of being successful with it. Um, but I think just changing my priorities or changing my definition of success has helped mm -hmm. too, versus like really wanting it to be monetarily successful. Yeah. I've looked at it as like, well, perhaps it's just even more successful if like, this crazy thing I decided to carve like spurs uh, interest in somebody else to give it a try. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's much more fun to focus on that success. Um, mm -hmm. And still, yes, I still try to pair with like, I still try to find sponsors and stuff like that, but I've even changed how I look at that of like, I want to support as much as possible uh, women-owned companies. So how can I like incorporate that type of product or that type of tool into what I'm doing? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it comes with uh, <laughs> emotional overload from the crazy year. I'm just like, I'm not going to put this pressure on myself anymore. Uh, and, and a little bit of age too. I'm like, I'm, I'm on the cusp of turning 40. So it's just like, you know, I think a little bit of perspective change has happened. Yeah. yeah and I've been doing a lot of um, introspection, I guess is the mm -hmm. word. And I am much more in a mindset of I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And if someone loves it, that's great. And if they don't, then whatever. Mm -hmm. But putting that aspect of trying to make my income from it, Mm -hmm. then immediately pulls that pressure back in. I can see then that, yeah. It's very hard for me to then, then say, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. Right. <laughs> I need other people to, <laughs> to be on board. Do you think some of that pressure goes away once you're at like a successful channel? Like I think of like Lara, right? I mean, like, I feel like she can do whatever the hell she wants to do <laughs> because she's already successful too. Like yeah. brands are going to come to her, you know, just based yeah. on like what they've seen her do versus having to do, I don't know for certain, but versus having to constantly do the hustle. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely a hustler. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so much. Um, but I think there is something there about when a brand comes to her, they come to her because of the type of work she does. Yeah. yeah. Where I am very much in in this mindset of like, should I be doing something else that works better for a brand? Right. Um, and I don't want to because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. But right. <laughs> I want to make money with it like it's this very tricky yep. thing yep yeah 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 I, I again I totally get it I mean I have a a job job too that pays the bills um and I was really stressed out for you know the last three years about I because I I want to just make for yeah. that's all I want to do I don't necessarily want to have this other job though I'm okay with it but I that's changed my mindset too a little bit of like okay fine I'll keep this other thing just to bring income in uh and then yes (laughs) and then just really really enjoy the time that I get to make um and and share with others and see where that goes type thing um no and the stupid things is the stupid thing is that even deciding that, which I, I think I'm sort of deciding to approach it that way now, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you're giving up. <laughs> yes, totally. I totally get that. <laughs> and it's like, I should be wanting to do that full time for my income. And like, I'm, I'm a step in that direction. And um, am I giving up by just accepting a part-time job? But so it's this whole complicated thing of like, I think that's what people expect me to have that be the end goal, but maybe I don't want that to be the end goal because it, yeah, maybe my end goal is just to work part-time and then the other days of the week, just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not care about if anyone likes it, mm-hmm. just do it. And if people watch it and learn from it, that's amazing. Right. Um, and if that's one person or a thousand, then doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it's, it's fun. sponsor is rasp and file designs rasp and file was created to give new life to old things and create spaces that feel timeless unique and warm your home and business should be your sanctuary a place of solace and your personal piece of art the owner and woodworker behind rasp and file designs is lauren matthews and you can follow along and find out more information on Instagram, just look up Rasp Filed Designs or on the internet at rfdesigns.squarespace.com. Exactly, exactly. And, and getting to focus more on the community. Like, I don't know about you, but my mindset of going from like, I want to make this a business, make a lot of money off of it type thing to, okay, I'm more focused on just like, if I can inspire others has also like changed my relationship with the community, like just in how I interact. Um, And honestly, I've seen the benefit of that. Like I've seen more growth and changing my perspective that way <laughs> versus like focused on the business end of it. Um, mm. Because there are so many cool people and, and then, yeah. and, and I've started growing this huge list of yes, all these million things I want to try because somebody else did it and it looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so now that you're taking a time to like, step back, do a little, little soul searching of what you want to do going forward. Um, do you, do you have any at this moment regret about a move to Germany and, uh, all those changes? Absolutely not. No, I still, this is still the place I want to be. Um, because whether I'm going for full time or not, like there's so much fun I can have in Lola's workshop. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and she's such a great inspiration to be around and, and to be able to work on things with. And like, I'm, I'm also not big on regrets. Like I've, I've looking back, I've done a lot in my life that just uh, maybe would have been better if it went differently. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I made the decisions I made at the time, knowing what I did at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's things in my life that I regret in the sense of I wish it was different. But yeah, this, <laughs> it's not something that bugs me. It's just like, well, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And now I know. Um, and yeah. yeah. Your mom, you grew up your mom sewed. Mm-hmm. What does she say now about like this, you know, bug you've caught about making? <laughs> she's got the bug herself has she (laughs) (laughs) i mean she's always been a creative person but um she's she she watches all my videos and she really likes them and she's doing some like um jewelry making and things herself and taking classes in that so she's definitely uh got the making bug too so does she does she uh when it whenever it gets to happen again make her conferences in person uh is she gonna go with you next time i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i love traveling and i will take any excuse to travel um she's different in that sense um so i don't know <laughs> uh what about any um the rest of your family, I guess, your your sister, you know, close friends, are they at all surprised uh, about this journey of yours? I don't think so. I mean, it's been a gradual thing uh, anyway, where I, especially with my friends, they know I started doing things and that I was uh, burnt out and that it was my, my therapy in a way, besides actual therapy, which also helped a lot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so it's been a gradual thing and they just really like seeing me like doing what I want to do and, and not necessarily feeling like I have to have that 40 hour a week job anymore mm-hmm. um, so they're definitely um, supportive and I don't think they're surprised in that sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've always been a bit of the one that's like moves everywhere like I've moved many <laughs> times First, I moved across the Netherlands. Um, then I moved for, to Sweden for half a year. Then I moved to Denmark. And so the, the, I think by now, it's like, if I say tomorrow I'm moving to the UK, they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> Makes total sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always been been into traveling and things like that. I've always been sort of adventurous like that. So that, that's not a surprise to anyone. So I'm going to admit the first time I came across you on social media was the uh, Firefly series with Jess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how did that come about? (laughs) I almost don't know. (laughs) It was just one of those things that that was completely unplanned. Um, It was after the first Maker Central. Um, We were hanging out with uh, seven of us at Steve's Moonshine Metalworks. Um, mm-hmm. He invited a bunch of us to come down to the forge. Um, and what do you say when someone asks you, "Do you want to come out out at the forest at the forge?" It's like, "Yeah, I'll rebook my flight." <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was very unplanned, and suddenly I'm in this this awesome forge and having fun with people trying new things. And one of the conversation topics in the evenings was that we all loved Firefly. Um, so there were random quotes flying around and we were um, just, I don't even, I think Brett and Jess started it where they started dividing um, who would be who. <laughs> so Al very quickly said like, yeah, Jane, all right. And then um, Jess wanted to be River. I was like, well, I want to be Kaylee. <laughs> I love Kaylee. <laughs> um, so we started watching Firefly with having it, the people in the room like pictured as the people. So the scene in the first episodes where episode where Kaylee eats this strawberry and like picturing me being Kaylee we were all just laughing (laughs) so 
so it was just a lot of fun and we were we were talking about wouldn't it be fun to make like our own version of it um and then someone just started i think brett was the first one uh, to actually do it and he like we talked about it but he just took it to another level like he had the costume he had the background effects he was in character and i don't think any of us saw that coming we were just like oh someone just set the bar quite high yeah. <laughs> So, and then we just rolled with it um, and we started doing those individual videos, which were a lot of fun, getting people to like um, do little voiceovers of things. Mm -hmm. Like I got the captain to be on the speaker and, and then you, you're at the same place. It's like, yeah, let's make an episode together. Like, let's have something where we're both in the shot at the same time. So it just sort of rolled and, and spinned out of control uh, <laughs> in one of the best ways. <laughs> Yeah, I have to admit, I like, um, and I don't know why I didn't know anything about it. Uh, but it was after like getting to talk with Jesse a bit more uh, last year at uh, WorkbenchCon. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I mean, I'd seen a lot of her videos that were on Ben's channel, but I hadn't necessarily seen like her own uh, produced stuff. So I, you know, kind of dove into her channel and then uh, found Foolfly, and I was just like, "Oh my God, where has this been?" <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. And that is such a good example of we didn't do that for anyone else. We did it because right. we were having fun, mm -hmm. and, and it just turns out that a lot of people love Firefly, <laughs> and they love us seeing us make crazy shit in costumes. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I love that story of just how it got started. And I have to ask, are there going to be more Fool Fly episodes to come? I'm pretty sure there will be. I mean, it <laughs> sort of feels like we've had our first season and now it's like, will there be a season two? <laughs> um, which, of course, for the original Firefly, yes, there never was. There never was. <laughs> um, but it's sort of it, it's been a natural thing. And so there was never a plan or a schedule of like, you're next and you're going to build that. It's all just been kind of organic. Yeah. Organic. So it's, it's organically taken a bit of a break now. Mm -hmm. um, we all still love it. And I'm, I'm fairly sure at some point it'll, it'll come up again, uh, especially when we get to travel again, because mm -hmm. I, I know I'm going to go visit Jess again sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. And if I'm there and Brett's there, I mean, what else are we going to do but dress up as Kaylee, the captain, and Rivers? Like, you can't stop us. Joshua Tree. Like, yeah. Brett's Firefly were shot in Joshua Tree. It looks perfect. <laughs> it, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's the photo I, I picked to use for the, the thumbnail for Jesse's uh, interview on YouTube was her river pose. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> when we did our episode together, just the two of us walking around in Joshua Tree National Park dressed up as Kaylee and River <laughs> was just so cool. That made us both so happy. It's like, ah! <laughs> this could be a scene from Firefly, you know? It's just yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so I, just kind of at the end here, I just want to ask, like, how are you doing person who likes to travel and be, you know, an interactive part of the community mm -hmm. with, you know, COVID and being locked down and not being able to travel? Yeah, I mean... I thought it wouldn't affect me very much because I am definitely an introvert. I'm someone that enjoys spending time alone. Mm -hmm. If I'm around too many people, I, I start to say, I, I just need to be alone mm -hmm. <laughs> and close the door and not talk to anyone. So I thought it wouldn't get to me that much, but by now I'm really feeling it. Mm -hmm. like I, can, I can feel it affect me and my energy and my, my mental health. And just, I, I miss people and especially my people. Mm -hmm. you know that that energy boost I get from going to an event and of course the traveling like separate from the maker thing I love to travel and go on an adventure and like mm -hmm. be somewhere I've never been before and and figure it out um so I, I really miss traveling but I especially miss people 
and and online calling is just not the same. No, it is not. No. Um, I, I mean, I'm with you there. I am extremely introverted. Like, I mean, one of the things I enjoy most about being a maker is like being alone in my shop with <laughs> nobody else talking to me and I just get to like make stuff. That's like one of the biggest joys I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm lucky that I, you know, I have my wife and my kids and so I'm not completely like by myself, yeah. but even then I would just like said just this week, I'm like, I miss other people outside of my family (laughs) like I love them but I need like some interaction (laughs) yeah like as much as you love them at some point it's just nice to have someone else yes (laughs) um but I do you still get to uh even with all the restrictions and stuff do you still get to work with Laura in person yeah, in her so shop okay thankfully work is excluded from the, the restrictions mm-hmm. it's really very restricted here now but I can still go to the workshop and work of course we have to keep our distance and mm-hmm. but it's a big workshop uh, so that's good mm-hmm. yeah now being able to go there and I, I have my own little workshop there now too and being able to go there has really been so important to me because I I mean, I have a nice apartment, but it's not that big. And after a year of being stuck in here, it's like, <laughs> it's so nice to have a place you can go to and be away and then mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. Because my, my part-time job, I also work from home. So right. I just, <laughs> I'm home a lot. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Ellen, we are at the end of our time together. So um, I want to give you another chance to let people know, you know, where they can find all of the things you happen to be making at the time. Yeah. So most up to date is definitely Instagram, uh, Crafts with Ellen. Um, that's where I've been posting the most recently. It's been a bit of a YouTube funk with all the lockdowns and everything. It's hard to just get motivated to, to film and edit and all those things. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff on there. And I'm, I'm finally getting into the editing mood again. So on YouTube, it's also Crafts with Ellen. Um, and that's that's mainly it. That's my two main um, platforms. Okay, awesome. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to talk to you. Uh, yeah, good to meet you virtually anyways. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, fingers crossed we can actually meet personally uh, yes. in the not too distant future. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so again, that was Ellen of Crafts with Ellen, um, located currently over in Germany. And I'm going to make sure that I include the links on how you can follow along with her, both on Instagram and YouTube. You can check out the description in your podcast app or down below on YouTube if you happen to be watching this on YouTube. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and all the other episodes going on with the podcast right now, please make sure you hit the describe, like, bell, comment, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, uh, and most importantly of all, share with a friend that you're enjoying the podcast, spread the word. All of that helps algorithms know that not only you like the podcast, but others like you may enjoy it as well, and it helps the podcast continue to grow. Uh, You can also check out Patreon so you can add your name to the shout out at the start of every episode every week. Um, Quite a crew over there, fun crew over there. And any level, tier level that you join at gets you access to additional content such as uh, the first of this year's live interview happening this Friday. Uh, It will be happening at... Uh, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, noon Eastern Standard Time, and it will be with Naomi of Overlook Woods. Uh, So that will be fun. If you're a patron, that means you will have access to the Zoom link so you can hop on, listen to the interview live uh, before anybody else gets to uh, listen to it. And also means that it will be opened up for some questions at the end uh, of the interview. So if you're a patron, come prepare with some questions that you might want to ask Naomi. All right, so that's just patreon.com forward slash make mom podcast. Now, when I am not uh, making podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making artisan 
wood furniture and home decor for bold homes at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across pretty much all of the social media platforms. Uh, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, all of it. Um, I am active on a daily basis on TikTok and Instagram. That's where you can kind of find up to date what projects I am currently working on in my shop. All right, it is Wednesday. So everybody, I hope you're having a great week so far and I will see you all on Friday and hopefully I will see you all join me on the live interview with Naomi of Overlook Woods. Wonder Woman, now the world is ready.